I am confident, although I could be wrong, we have a debt issue in the industry, mm-hmm. capital markets volatility. And what that means is that new construction is not getting financed right now. Like generally speaking, new construction projects aren't getting financed. Volatility is up on interest rates. New construction is competing with existing product and rents are going down because of the, the concession. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to grow their wealth by investing in US real estate. I'm your host, Reed Goosens, and so far, I've acquired over $800 million worth of investments on various properties across the United States. On this podcast, I interview go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business to learn more about their investment journey and the cutting-edge strategies they are applying towards building a legacy. For more on growing your own wealth and by investing in the US, visit www www.readgoosens.com. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of welcoming back a good friend of mine, Mr. Joe Fairless. Now, for those of you who don't know who Joe is, Joe is a, is a co-founder of a massive company called Ashcroft Capital with over $2.7 billion of assets under management. Now, in addition to his responsibilities at Ashcroft Capital, Joe created the podcast, The Best Ever Investing Advice Show, which is the longest running daily real estate podcast with over 500,000 monthly downloads. Now, Joe is also really passionate about giving back and he's a part of numerous boards, including the Texas Tech Alumni Board and the a junior achievement board in Cincinnati. To say that I'm pumped and excited to have him back on the show is a massive understatement. Enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Joe. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Hey, looking forward to our conversation, Reed, and, and always enjoy catching up with you. Yeah, mate. Well, look, you've been on the show before. We don't. People can go back and listen to the other ones. I, I've, I've tried to look it up. It's a long time it's ago. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> but maybe give us the what you've been up to. Ashcroft is you know, I've seen you guys grow and you've seen freaking awesome to see it to 2.7 billion. Give us a little bit of a snapshot of the last four to five years, what you've been up to, what you've created, and then we can get into sort of what we, what you're doing moving forward as a company. Well, I mean, what we've always been focused on is our investors and the deals that we have in our portfolio. That's always been a focus, executing on the business plan and how that approach has helped us over the years is uh, we've grown as a result of delivering on what we say we're going to do and getting referrals from investors and then you know growing as a result of that. Four to five years ago, I'm not sure what we had assets under management. I know it wasn't 2.7 billion, which is what we have now. And you know, Frank and I started this from the very beginning with zero. So it's been um, a good journey together. Always challenges along the way, as you know, with business, but you know, you navigate the challenges and uh, you get stronger as a a result of them. And, um, you know, you you learn from them and you move on. I think one of the things that looking looking from an outsider in has been around how do you, how do you handle that growth as as a leader? Like, because it's, it's, you know, I know you personally, Mm-hmm. You didn't have a $2.7 billion company before founding Ashcroft Capital. So it's, mm-hmm. how have you been able to navigate those waters? Because it's such an interesting thing as a leader to you really you know, sink or swim, get, you know, get in the deep end. And obviously, you didn't, I don't know if you had expectations to grow up this big and continue to grow up, but there would have been that little bit of pinching yourself moment to be like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is happening, right? And, and now you're at the helm of such an incredible company. And I'm sure, as you said, it hasn't come without a challenge, but what, what, what has been what has helped prepare you to, to be the leader that you are today in, in that role? 
a focus on personal development, working harder on myself than I do anything else. I'm a huge Jim Rome fan and student. He taught Tony Robbins. And that's what he said, work harder on yourself than you do your job. And at the end of one of our calls recently, one of my team calls, I gave those words and it seemed like it resonated with uh, at least a handful of people who spoke up and said so. And that's been my focus. I mean, my approach to life is secret to living is giving or help enough people get what they want. You'll get what you want or service to many leads to greatness. All those three things all mean the same. It's help out. And I, I read something recently. I, I forget where. You know how we always talk about, uh, I know you talk about and I, I talk about living in a world of abundance. I, I read something recently that said having abundance mentality just means you like to share. And I agree. It's, it's like having a sharing mindset, having a mindset of, hey, there's enough to go around. Let's do this together. And Having that mindset as a foundation through personal development then has a positive impact on the team members that we have. And because from a, I oversee investor relations, marketing, and investor services, all related to you know speaking to investors and then the ongoing conversation with the investors. And having that mindset of, service to many leads to greatness. Well, we're, we're here to, to help them out. We're here to continue to work on ourselves and continue to do what we can to help others. And so I know that mindset is incredibly important because there can be other mindsets that come from the top, which are more transaction oriented. And that's a way to burn through a customer base, in my opinion, Versus if you're relationship oriented and trying trying to help out. So I'm constantly working on my development. I have five things that I do five out of seven days of the week. I call them my five commitments. Read a chapter, 10 minutes of playtime with my daughter, 10 minute meditation, and proactively compliment someone and do a sweaty workout. Those are those are my five things. And I've always, you know, Oprah talks about you, you've got to take care of you. You got to fill your cup up first and then you have enough to give to others. And I, I agree with that approach. You know, you, we've got to make sure that we are, we are in the right mindset first and foremost before we can uh, even take care of others. You know, you've, I, I love the, the saying, you can't give what you don't have. And that's something that I, I embrace. And so it's, it's even when our investor, say our investor relations team is talking to investors if there's a part that they, you know, of the business that they don't quite understand, well, they can't give that information if they don't have that information that they know through and through. And so it's 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 an important process that uh, and thought process that we all we all undertake. Yeah, no, it's very interesting, and I think in today's world with how things are changing so much in the in the fundamentals of you know higher interest rates and all that sort of stuff, having and, and having investors on your side, you know, when they may not understand everything, you know, they may not understand what's going on in the deal, and you got to, you know, tell them and bring them up to speed. It's it's really important coming from that mindset of you, you are there to provide for them and provide a service and that abundant mindset. So, how has that conversation gone in the last couple of, you know, last year? I know it's been you guys are still growing, but 
we're all seeing some of the pains in the market. Are investors pulling back a little bit? I know at least on our side of the coin, we're seeing some of the retail investors starting to, you know, maybe not think of multi as what they once had, you know, in terms of returns. And, and you know, how is that conversation going down today in a changing environment? Across the industry, you talk to other syndicators and money raising is down a lot. It's not just any individual group. It's across the board. Correct. And it's, you know, because of, you know, many reasons. Um, but yeah, it's, it's much more challenging to raise money now than, than it has been over, you know, since I've been in the industry. Right. Right. And you're definitely at the forefront of, of, of raising some incredible capital. So then looking your crystal ball looking forward, how do you think that's, you know, do you think it's just temporary? Do you think we're we're going to be in this state as the Fed starts easing interest rates? Do you think people more people come back into the pool? How are you preparing Ashcroft as you, as you move forward here? I am confident, although I could be wrong. I don't know what the future will hold, but I I have a belief, and it's it's founded in facts that are currently in place. Now those facts might change. The dynamic might change later, but currently we have a debt issue in the industry, mm-hmm. capital markets volatility. And what that means is that new construction is not getting financed right now. Like generally speaking, new construction projects aren't getting financed. And what that will mean in two plus years is that, well, when the supply is absorbed from the new construction that got the cheap financing a couple years ago that is now in the market, which is decreasing the rents across the board. Uh, so right now it's challenging because volatility is up on interest rates. New construction is competing with existing product and rents are going down because of the, the concessions. But the inverse is going to happen in two plus years, unless something changes. Because new construction is at a low right now for starts, and that's going to show itself in a couple years. And that's when there's going to be a whole lot of demand for apartment communities and not enough supply because the loans simply aren't transacting right now. There's, there's not a lot of new loans taking place. So I am incredibly confident in multifamily in in the medium to long run. And right now, it is challenging. And I believe it's a temporary situation. And you just got to navigate it. Got to navigate it, do it, do, do what you, you need to do to make sure that you're preserving the investor capital, you're growing NOI. And then as the volatility subsides in the capital markets, more transactions take place and things loosen up. From a transaction standpoint, then you 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 pick it pick it back up again, and, and you see where you're at. Yeah, no, I com- I completely agree, and I think it's it's about those who can survive the next 12, 24, 36 months to get through to the other side. You'd just be doing just fine. I think the, the fundamentals of multifamily is still there. People need affordable housing. Rents continue to go up, right? As a cost of living, have you seen that graph of the Fed producers from 1950s? Like, it's been up and to the right for rents, right? I think in, the, the rents in 10 years' time will be higher than what they are today, even if we're having a bit of a pullback. But in saying that, it's it's how do you how do you survive when you put financing or you know, I'm sure you're talking to a lot of people 
when you put financing on when, when interest rates were cheap, we all gorged ourselves on it. Like how do you how do you make sure you one communicating to investors that and two staying you know in the saddle for as long as possible? You've got to have the liquidity to do so. And so it depends on depends on the, the operator's circumstance. If they don't have liquidity, then they're going to need to do a capital call. If they're not putting their own liquidity into the deal as the capital that's needed, if if a rate cap comes due, it's deal specific. Sure, one hundred percent. Yeah, and there, there's different things you can do to navigate it, but it depends on the deal, depends on the the sponsor, depends on the lender. Yeah, those are the three variables that that the, the three main variables. How do you navigate from a single fam- oh, sorry, single family single deals type of operation early on in your days to more of the fund model now because I do obviously see a lot of great advertising online every time I open Instagram I'm seeing some some great ads from you guys has that been a game changer in how you've continued to steer the ship and provide investments for your investors by doing that more of the fund model it has not been a game changer but it's a great tool to use when there's solid deal flow because with a fund, one of the advantages is that there's multiple deals in the fund. Therefore, investors are diversified across multiple assets versus being in one asset. There's other pros and cons also. The con being, well, you're diversified across multiple assets versus one. So if one of them does incredibly well, well, it might get watered down by the others. And that might do average, below average, slightly above average. So there's there's a trade-off there. I do like the fund model when there is consistent deal flow. Uh, it might not make sense next year for us. Uh, we're evaluating that uh, to do a fund versus individual deals because we're not sure how many deals we will purchase next year. Uh, whereas previous years, it was easier to predict or to attempt to predict, to believe we could predict, I'll say that. It was easier to believe we could predict the accuracy of how many deals we would buy. But next year depends on depends on many variables, one of which being what you know what we were talking about earlier, the the capital markets and yep. the volatility. You know, things perhaps are settling, perhaps, and perhaps gonna trend in the direction we'd like. We'll see. But it's something that we're not going to uh, hang our hat on until we actually see it take place. Yep. H- have you changed your underwriting now, given the new capital markets and trying to, you know, that combined with the fact that the deal inventory is just non-existent right now? What, what What are you doing to try and keep turning over those stones? It goes back to the basis that we want to be in at for the property uh, from an underwriting standpoint, and then the the exit. I mean, the exit on the cap rates are are tough to predict right now because it's right. kind of a, a moving target. Our director or our chief investment officer would be better suited to handle that question for how <laughs> how we're you know the nuances of how we're underwriting uh, the deals uh, and also finding deals. That's um I'm, that's that's something that I'm not really involved in in the business. That, that, that's all. That's no. That's all good. It's uh. But um, now, now shifting gears into you know what you're building, and I've known you personally for for many many years. Where does Joe see himself in the next ten years? You know, like I know you built such an incredible foundation around you. Everything well, I mentioned earlier, you know, you've, I, I didn't realize there were sixty nine different nonprofits you've been involved with. You know, there's obviously the best ever conference that is just massive. There's Ashcroft Capital, like. 
there's the podcast, like, you know, to some people you'd be like, wow, he's, you know, he's, he's built, he's built the mountain. Like what's the next mountain if there's even one is, or is it just, you know, enjoying, enjoying the heights of what you know, the fruits of your labor, should I say? I'd say it's navigating this time right now in a way that is a, a positive outcome for our investors and the deals and continuing to focus on operations of our current portfolio and then picking up deals that are going to be available from distressed sellers over the next 12 months. I mean, we've just within the last five days, we've had four lenders reach out to us from other operators' deals and they're trying to sell at debt, but at, at what the debt is, but they're worth less than that. And so there will be opportunities over the next six to 12 months. And I, I'd say there will be the opportunities regardless of what happens. Let's say the interest rates are hold serve for 12 months, which you know I, I know they're predicted to be cut three times, but uh, let's just say it holds serve for the next 12 months or it's cut you know, or decreases three times. There's still going to be operators who are going to be in trouble and we'll be purchasing some properties probably from from some some distressed operators and your question was you know next i think four years or four to ten years i can't remember but i mean i'm doing what i enjoy uh, right now i'm 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 working with investors i'm growing a team uh, that helps investors and I believe that, you know, if I found something that I enjoy doing, that's my plan just to keep doing this and keep, keep, keep the focus on, on the deals and, and the investors and then, you know, c- continue, to, continue to keep moving. As we come to the end of the show, one of the things I, I want to add to that is I agree with you. I agree that there's going to be distress. I agree that there's going to be things and awesome opportunities. But then you got the other side of the coin where people are a little bit scared right now. And you know, we talked earlier about the the hard to raise capital. So what are you doing to educate those investors? Because you're at the forefront of that at, at Ashcroft, that convincing them, like, no, guys, this is actually a really good time to 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 be investing and buying and and, and not not necessarily doubling down, but continuing to to invest in this asset class, even though other people and other things might be saying to them, you know, run away. What we do is we just talk about the information that we have available to us. And then they make their decision. And you know, one of them is what I, I mentioned earlier, you know, new construction, just not taking place right now from a new loans. What's that mean? That means that's going to show itself in a couple of years. So you'll want to be an owner in a couple of years whenever, whenever you know, the, the supply dynam- dynamic is in our favor. We just focus on what we know and what's available to us and the benefits of real estate sell themselves with the tax deferred advantage and for 1031s and with you know the K1 and passive uh, losses uh, potential passive passive losses and bonus depreciation and cost segregation so really it's just a matter of hey if you believe now is the time and you want to join us we recommend that you or we we'd love to for you to join us if not then that's that's fine join whenever is appropriate for you but here's why we're doing it, and mm. you know we we lay out the reasons why. Awesome, no good, good, good answer, mate. At the end of every show, we like to go into a rapid fire lightning round. Are you ready to get into it? I'm ready, mate. Question number one is: What's the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? 
Those five commitments I mentioned earlier. Right. Which remind us all of that. It was sweaty, kid, Swe- sleep. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All right. We'll just use one word. Uh, sweaty, kid, read, uh, meditate, and- uh, Gratitude, sweaty, was it? Uh, oh, and, th- and compliment. 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 Yeah. compliment. Question number two, who's been the most influential person in your career to date? Jim Rome. Right. Never met him, but Jim Rome. Question number three, what's the most influential tool in your business? Now, a tool could be a, a journal or a physical tool like a phone, but, or it could be a piece of software that you just can't run your business without. What is it? My phone calls on Tuesdays, I have three mastermind calls on Tuesdays, uh, basically with, with, with three different people. So it's one-on-one calls with three different people on Tuesdays. Question number four is in one sentence, what's been the biggest failure in your career? What did you learn from that failure to date? First deal, lost money, paid back investors, plus return out of my own pocket. Yeah. Probably taught you a thing or and two about. What, yeah. What I, what I learned is that yeah, I've got to be proud of who I am. Uh, and so I decided to pay them back, not necessarily because of the investors, but because I, I want to be, be proud of who I am. Right. Last question, Maze. Where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere. Where do they go? You can visit us at ashcroftcapital.com. Awesome stuff, man. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I just want to reflect some of the things I took away. Look, I think some of the ways in which you're t- changing the mindset around investor conversations, I think that's really, really important. And just laying out the facts of what is happening in today's world and letting people decide for themselves, right? You're not going to be able to, you lead a horse to water, you're not, not necessarily be able to make him drink, uh, drink. But I think also then your optimism where we're coming around around the corner with new starts and construction, I think that is so true in today's world that keeping an eye on the horizon of what's coming down the line and setting yourself up right for today is really, really important. So, um, mate, did I leave anything out there? No, only other thing is that, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you left out that I was listening to Vance Joy in honor That's of right. you and your 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 Aussie <laughs> colleagues uh, prior to this interview. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I've never met Vance Joy. I don't think I'll ever will, but love that band. I want to thank you for jumping on today's show, my friend. It's been way too long. I'd love to catch up in person sometime. But uh, yeah, thanks for jumping on the show. Good seeing you, Reed. There you have another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Joe. Remember, check out him out at ashcroftcapital.com. We're going to do this all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. <laughs>